morning, everyone. I just love being a part of this uh, body of Christ, this uh, fellowship of the saints. It's uh, pretty awesome stuff. The conversations between and after are a real blessing. The notes, the cards, the calls are also a blessing as well. I'm thankful for those who have expressed concern for my travels. I, too, always am concerned. You don't want to take anything for granted. So I would continue to ask you to pray as I would travel um, to Poland. Remember the first time I traveled to Belarus? There was a big circle out here, and and uh, there was prayer. Uh, there was definitely a vibe of I was going to die, and so uh, that was pretty terrifying. <laughs> Well, there was, <laughs> there was, and, uh, you know, going into a former silver republic, uh, so, anyway, uh, I am thankful to be a part of this, this family, this fellowship, it's pretty sweet, it's good stuff, so, anyway, I have a clipboard here, I didn't say that to butter you up to sign the clipboard, but I have a cleaning clipboard here for both September and October, uh, I'm getting, you know, what is it, one getting things done before I go. Uh, not, I'm coming back, Lord willing, if that's his plan, but it'd be nice if September and October schedule was scheduled out, so if I don't come back, Brian knows what he's supposed to do. So, and, uh, and <laughs> did you know that Brian is going to cover if I don't come back? How many know that? Okay, that's just how that, that's how we're going to roll, okay? And uh, Jeff and Kirk will continue to be uh, those men who are absolute support of the congregation here, making sure you're all whipped into shape. So that's how we roll. Anyways, I'm going to turn this over. So if you want to sign up, come visit us again. That would be good. just pass it back. All right. Okay. I was going to get sentimental and teary. I do know how I get sometimes. So Brad and Mo. I've never gotten used to calling you that. You're always Melinda, but, but I know. Okay, that's how I that's how I roll. Thank you, sir. So, Brad and Mo, it is truly a blessing to have your uh, fellowshipping with us. We keep you close in prayer, but it's wonderful to see you. And I can say amen to that. Let's give it up. Woohoo! We're so thankful for you. So thankful. You know, the growth that I've seen in both of these young people is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's it's awesome. So thankful for uh, their sacrifices for the congregation here. Even though they are afar, they're still making great uh, inroads for us. So, the Blue Jean Angels, your hard work is paying off. To see the beautiful walkway uh, is so, is what is this? Is almost too decent? Almost too descent? Some, I, I, anyway, it's a beautiful walkway. Thank you for all. Thank you for all you have done. So you know who the Blue Jean Angels are? Jeff is one of them, and your grandpa is one of them. So why don't you give that to Jeff, and then Jeff can share it with with Ken. And there you go. All right, Lily, you are so very special. That's you, Lily, over there. You're you're, you're kind of like quiet there. Oh my goodness. How old are you again? 11. She does not look. 12. You look like you're always, I always think you go, when would you get your uh, driver's license? You know? <laughs> you're going up too fast. You look, you're lovely. 
So here you go. Lily, you are so very special and so helpful, not only to me, but are helpful to many. This thus month has been so good shopping, making relish. Uh, sounds like grandma's writing. Yeah. This is what my grandma did for me too. And uh, baking nonstop canned peaches. Uh, keep being the good kid you are. Love always. Grandma Pat. Woo Let's give it up for Lily. Yeah, it's always fun when people show up, you know, and they're visiting and they get called out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. That was great. <laughs> uh, my grandma used to buy me a football whenever I'd help. I don't know. Has she bought you a football recently for helping out? Oh, clothes shopping. Uh, little boys are not into clothes, you know, just whatever. <laughs> well, good. Very, very good. Any other, any other announcements other than the following? College age will be canceled for the next two weeks. Uh, this coming Wednesday, Kirk will cover the Wednesday evening assembly. And I'm not doing this so that they'll show up. I'm doing this so that everybody knows who's the go-to guy. Uh, next Sunday morning, uh, Jeff Drillinger will be teaching the Bible class hour. Uh, Brian Bragg uh, will be doing the morning assembly, and then Kirk will be doing the, the p.m. assembly. And don't forget, uh, evening assemblies are at the Kirk's place through August. And I think that <clears throat> excuse me, includes uh, um, not this coming Wednesday, but also the following. If I'm semi-conscious, would you be willing to take that one too? On the 30th, Wednesday the 30th? Okay, I'll let you know if I'm semi-conscious before I, before I show up. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you'll have a couple days. That'll be great. Uh, let's see. Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar meeting today in the back room. If you would so uh, help us out, that'd be great. And then birthdays. Are there any birthdays coming up in this next week? I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a little uh, brochure program, whatever they're called. Yeah, brochure program. You see how professional I am? I don't even know what that thing is that we have every week. Oh, thank you. Very, very good. Potluck tonight at the Parks Place. Thank you very much. Anything else? All right. Very, very good. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Lord, we're, we're thankful for the rich blessings of this good life that you've given to us. Everything that we need for life and godliness is granted to us through the true knowledge of your son. It's absolutely amazing when we realize that uh, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And, and the life which we now live in this body, we can live by his faith and be richly blessed, not only now, but also uh, into eternity. Father, I would pray this morning as we would preach once again on the fear of God, that we would recognize that the fear of God is to hate the evil way, to hate the evil way. Uh, Father, we were learning about prudence during the adult Bible class hour and how important it is for us to be prudent, to recognize that evil is in this world. And uh, Father, you have come so that we could be greater than he who is in this world through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to then listen carefully to your word. Help us to be challenged, but help us to be uh, convicted on what is evil 
and to refuse it and to embrace that which is good. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know that it's uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. That's how we roll. And we've been, we've been doing this for, uh, what, nine months now, 10 months now. We're getting to, well, we, we got to almost nine months. So Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. And as I shared with you before, I missed really making this uh, a little bit more, um, what is it, fleshing it out a little bit. As we read here, it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then he goes on to describe what evil is, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Now you can imagine what I'm going to preach on when I get back next week because, or the week following, because we're looking at the, the evil way. We need to hate the evil way, the evil way. Now what is the evil way? Can I define it like really fast? I mean, I can define it and we could probably go home before it's even noon. You're saying, really? Okay. But I want to give a little bit of meat to the lesson, but this is about as meaty as it can get. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Well, if Jesus is the way, anything outside of the life of Christ is the evil way. You're saying, wow, that's, that's pretty rough. No, it's not rough. There's only two groups of people standing before King Jesus on Judgment Day. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, I know there's not a whole lot of stuff I got right, but I know I got that one right. There's only two groups. There are not three groups. The, the well, you know, they're the independents. I don't know if they're the, the sheep or the goats. They're kind of the independent group. And, oh, we just sway, which, no, no, no. There's only two groups. And so there's only two ways into heaven. Or excuse me, one way in heaven, one way to hell. The way to heaven is Jesus, living the life of Jesus. Why do you think it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith? Why are we supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus? Does anybody know what Colossians chapter 3 and, and, and verse 1 through 4 says? He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with him, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He goes on to talk about life or Christ is our life. Christ, present tense, Christ is our life. Question, is Christ your life? Do people see Christ in you? They go, hey, that's, that's the way Christ lived. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. And so as we're going to see this, this morning, really to live the life of Christ is the only way in. We can't compromise. You know what I love about Jesus? He's patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance, change. You know, he's given us all this time to change, to become and to grow and to be. Should we expect from Alan, one of our newest brothers in Christ, by the way, who's an accomplished preacher, but he just starts and he just does it. This is amazing, you know, awesome. But 
should we expect that? We're so thankful that God has gifted you. But the reality is, is that we're all in a growth mode until such time the Lord retires us. But we need to be growing. And so, brethren, I want to take a look this, this morning at Proverbs 16 as an anchor passage. Proverbs 16, verses 2, and also verse 25. We need to be careful. We need to be mindful. Just because we do the right thing doesn't mean that we are walking in the way of Christ. Look at verse 2. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. You know, Brother, brother Kirk just said it. He said, man, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. We can be, do all, we can be doing all the Jesus things, and if we have the right or the wrong heart, the right motives, it's not going to account for anything on Judgment Day. But then look at verse 25. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now that's a very important passage of Scripture. We need to constantly be going back to the Word of God to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith, to test ourselves to see if we're really doing the right thing. Do you know what justifying your behavior is? Do you know what rationalizing your behavior is? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We say justify or rationalize. You know why I was mean with that guy? I'll tell you why I was mean with that guy. He had it coming. He needed to learn a lesson. And God sent me to teach it to him. That sounds like I'm rationalizing a little bit. What do you think? No, of course, I would never say that out loud. Nor would you. Well, I hope not. We, you know, that's just rude. But, you know, I have to be honest. I've thought that before. So notice, you couldn't hear it. You couldn't see it. But it was going in my heart. Now, guess who examines the motives of the heart? So, I wasn't uh, innocent in the matter. Say that's... We, we really do need to be more mindful of our motivations, mindful of what do we really believe is evil. Is it possible you're doing something right now that's evil and you don't even know it? Is it possible you're doing something right now that's evil and you're not sure what evil really means? Well, I have to be honest with you, when I did the study, it was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that broadens the scope of what evil is. Let's take a look. Proposition number one, or point number one. Do you know uh, and do you hate uh, the evil way? Do you know what it is? Do you, do you know what to hate uh, evil means? We know even what evil means. You know, I watched this movie, uh, Night at the Museum. And, and, and the, the, the guy that's in the, he's a, like an uh, Egyptian dummy or mummy mummy not dummy mummy and, it, and, and, and his name is raw raw means evil god of evil who is the god of evil satan the word raw is or evil is raw r a Anything that is displeasing to Jehovah, number one, that's evil. 
Anything that's dis, dis, displeasing to Jehovah. Love is not rude. God is love. Rude is evil. You ever been rude to somebody? That's uh, that's evil. Even a slight word, it says, every word will be held account to account. Anything that is displeasing to Jehovah. Actions motivated by the desire to bring pain, suffering, misery, or death. You think people think about how they can hurt other people? Do you think people might have gotten into a mindset or a habit of hurting other people and they don't really understand that that's evil, but they're just in the habit of, of hurting people? And maybe they like it sometimes. Rudeness is that thing. I've known people who are rude and they seem to like being rude. They think it's funny to see how people kind of cringe when they're rude. I'm not everybody's that way, but we need to recognize that the scope of evil is broad. We really do need to consider the Lord's way versus the world's way. Actually, it's interesting that the first word in the Hebrew definition of evil is worthless. In other words, it brings no benefit. It brings no goodness. It brings nothing to be a blessing. Worthless. Remember that word worthless, and we're going to see it again. The word evil in the Greek, kakos, means intrinsically depraved. Depraved of what? Depraved of God, depraved of God's spirit, depraved of God's character. It's intrinsically depraved, injurious, focused on destruction, manifest in the character. Now, someone oftentimes who's evil is going to destroy themselves, but oftentimes they're in the process of destroying others. Intrinsically depraved, injurious. All that is contrary to God's law is going to injure people sooner or later. Lying is super injurious, isn't it? Cowardice is super destructive. Sometimes bringing about death, cowardice brings about death. We're cowardly about sharing the gospel. Isn't cowardly one of the sins that are spoken of in Revelation in chapter 21 and verse 8? I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Just interface and be there for them. Listen. If you're studying your scriptures, you'll know a lot of things you can share with people about God comforting them. So it's important for us to understand that evil is not just going out and murdering someone. Evil is not just, you know, raping someone. Murdering is not just, it's a lot of stuff. Now, are we doing things that are evil? Who are a, a part of the evil way? Do you think apathy is evil? <clears throat> apathy? Think about that for just a minute. Worthless. The word worthless is for evil. Apathy 
is going to cause problems for you and for other people, isn't it? What's apathy? Not engaging when you need to engage. But an apathetic husband, an apathetic wife, an apathetic child, an apathetic worker, an apathetic boss. Not caring. You think a boss that doesn't care can get people killed? What do you think? Absolutely, positively. They think there's going to be high morale in a company where the, the boss or the owner is apathetic? Well, the morale is going to be in the tank. You think in some businesses there could be death because of morale? What do you think? Well, so do you see then that this thing called evil, if we use God's definition, is quite large. Therefore, we need to check ourselves. There is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end, it brings what? Death. I mean, I'm reading my Bible, reading my Bible, reading my Bible, and sometimes I'm not really processing, and I might miss something. You're saying, well, God's going to hold you accountable. Well, you know, he understands. I'm growing. But we need to be responsible. Amen? We need to be responsible, engaged. God identifies an evil person. Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 15. And so, I, I would encourage you again, as we talked about this morning, the prudent man will see evil and hide himself. In other words, a prudent man or a woman will see evil and will say, no, I'm not going to go there. So, if there's an evil person... You need to be careful because you know that they are going to be bring pain, suffering, injury, death, potentially. So you need to be careful not to engage in commerce with them, not to be involved with them. Uh, can you share the gospel with them? Absolutely, you need to. But you, man, you need to be really on your game. You need to be fully aware of what's going on. Well, take a look here, chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. A worthless person, there's that word worthless. A worthless person, a wicked man. Could you say an evil person? A wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his, his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil. He spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly, he'll be broken and there will be no healing. Remember, we're called in Psalms to do what? The man who's blessed is not going to walk with them, stand with them, or sit with them, right? But we need to talk to them about the Lord if they're open. So see, you need to go out into the world like Jesus sent the apostles. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents, cunning, as we learned this morning, but innocent as doves in our motives. But notice, there's two words here that really kind of stand out. Perversity of mouth and perversity of heart. Do you know the word perversity means i looked that up we have perverse mind perverse mouth and of course a perverse mind is going to produce perverse actions perverse means anything outside god's standard 
to turn to turn aside or distort the right or the true way. That's what perverse means. So we could take a look at it from a whole bunch of different angles. Pornography is not a problem. It's just, I'm not hurting anybody, but they're not even hurting me. No, 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 no. You're messing up your brain in regards to your future wife if you're not married yet or your wife and your relationship with your wife right now. You're messing, messing it up. I need to repent of that. Because it messes up your brain. Your wife-to-be or your wife now becomes an object for your pleasure instead of your help me so that you can serve the Lord better. That's really God's way. And so it's important for us to recognize that anything outside of God's plan for anything is evil. It's perverse. Perverted means to, to mar and to distort what it really is supposed to look like. So you can apply this principle of perversity to anything. Is this contrary to God's will? Is this contrary to the example of Jesus Christ? If it is, what is it based upon God's word? It is what? It's evil. You need to hate that. So do not be unequally yoked with people who are in that world, in that place in the world, but you need to get close enough to share with them the gospel so they can become Christians and can begin to what? Be renewed in the spirit of their mind. So they too can enjoy the blessings of heaven. Because if you're outside of Christ, you're not walking according to his standard. And so by definition, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're evil. Now, I'm not going to go up to somebody and say, oh, by the way, since you're not a Christian, you're evil. I'm not going to do that. That's not appropriate. But to guard yourself and yet come alongside so that you can help them come to a right understanding. Is it possible that evil people do good things? Yeah, absolutely positively, if we use God's definition of evil. And so it's important for us to recognize then that we need to draw closer and closer and closer to the example we have of Christ Jesus. We have the perfect example in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? I mean, we see it. Awesome. But do we see Jesus in Paul? Do we see Jesus in Phoebe? Do we see Jesus in Priscilla? Do we see Jesus in... In uh, Timothy, do we see Jesus in... Of course we do. That's why those were written. That's why we need to be looking, processing what we see, and applying to ourselves. The seven things God hates, right below. The six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him, verse 16 through 19. First is haughty eyes, meaning prideful of heart. We already talked about pride last week. Pride is driven by selfishness. A lying tongue, distorting truth for your own gain 
or supposed protection. Hands that shed innocent blood. Murder, obviously, is that. Hands that shed innocent blood. Whenever I read this, I think of abortion. The only innocent party in that thing is, is the one who's killed. Now, in the case of rape, obviously, the woman was uh, forcibly coerced into that, but still that little baby that comes from that is innocent. He or she wasn't a part of that. Now, whatever a conviction is of the, of the woman is, is important. But the reality is, is I, that's what I think of every time I read that. A heart that devises wicked plans. The word wicked, by the way, you need to look that up. The word wicked is like a kissing cousin of evil. The one whose plans are contrary to God's will to take advantage for self. Feet that run rapidly to evil. Like there's an eagerness, an excitement. And then finally, uh, false witness means to utter uh, uh, in official manner uh disinformation, and then finally, one who spreads strife among brothers. You know, that's an interesting one. Where is, where are some of the big ones? Where, where is, you know, this immorality? Where is, well, that's in, uh, indicative in um, feet that run rapidly evil. Spreading strife. What does spreading strife mean? What is, you know what that means, spreading strife? I got, this is amazing. Listen to this. See if you can picture people in your past, or maybe in your present, in the group, like a team or a company or a family or a church or whatever. To contest or to have contention for personal superiority. In other words, you're going to cause problems so that you gain advantage. And you become the big cheese, the big kahuna. I've seen that over and over and over again. It's What is that about? Well, it comes back to what? Pride, selfishness, desire. God hates that. God hates the evil way. We need to hate the evil way. We have to work with people who are in that way to bring them to heaven. Now, how many of and I don't raise your hand or anything, okay? Because some of you are going to be really repulsed by this. But back in the 1980s, there was a song called Highway to Hell. And I was an idiot back in the 80s. <laughs> and I thought that was a real cool song because it had great, you know, not lyrics, obviously, but great sound, man. It had a great beat. So many of those songs I listened to were just nasty and vile and they were evil and wicked. You know? Horrible. Well, there are two highways. The highway to hell, which is very broad. There's no parameters whatsoever. The highway to hell. But the highway of holiness is that which moves heavenward. The highway of holiness, the parameters are the life of Jesus Christ. 
That's why it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life of Jesus Christ is the parameters for getting to heaven. Anything else is outside. See, so, so really, the definition of evil is a lot broader than oftentimes we think. Now we need to turn then, obviously because of that, to point number two. Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. How many have ever heard a guy named Jeff Drillinger preach on this? I know he's done it more than once. In fact, I appreciate Jeff so much because when he gets a hold, he calls me Bulldog Bill. I, I can't think of a good name for a dog for Jeff, but if I'm Bulldog Bill, he's got to be something that's even worse than that. I mean, better than that. I mean, man, when he gets a hold of something, good night, man. He's never going to let it go. I mean, it's good, obviously. Well, here it is. Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. <clears throat> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I got a whole bunch of note space there for you. What's the positive opposite? Do you remember Jeff talking about the opposition factor? If you're so busy doing the good and the right thing, when are you going to have time to do the wrong and evil and bad thing? The answer is, you're not. If you're so busy doing the right thing that you drag yourself to bed at night and you put your head down and you're gone, you know, because you've been so busy about the Lord's work. Was Jesus that way? I love the picture of him in the boat. The waves are crashing and he's getting cold water on him and he's not waking up. Man, that dude was tired. He was tired. You know, that's like, a, uh, wake him up. See? You're so busy about doing good. I love this one in verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Does that mean he's going to change? No, not necessarily. He's just going to get convicted. Doesn't mean he's going to change. But you've done the right thing. Because did Jesus do that for you? Did Jesus continue to provide you with the blessing of life and opportunities to grow and opportunities to hear the truth and opportunities of forgiveness? Yes, he gave all those to you and he still does. I love how he operates. And that's how we're to operate. Now, what about Proverbs chapter two? I want you to go there. This is a, this is a pretty powerful passage of scripture. It does talk about the evil way a lot, actually. In uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at both of those very, very quickly. In Proverbs chapter 2, <clears throat> take a look in your notes. It says, receive the word of God. Proverbs 2 verses 1 through 4 and then 5 and then 9 and then 12 through 22. I want to kind of read it that way. So I'm going to lead the reading here. Verse, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. My son, this is God speaking to us this morning. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your heart attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment and you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her, that is 
wisdom and understanding and discernment. If you, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Notice what, you're, what, are you, what are you supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Searching the word of God, listening to the word of God, processing the word of God, understanding the word of God, understanding the way of Jesus. And then look at verse 5. He says here, Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. And then take a look at that next verse, verse 9. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Notice the if-then statements. If you will study my word and, and, and search for it and understand how to live life according to the standard of Jesus, verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Verse 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. Verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil. There it is right there, brethren. Are you investing yourself in a careful study of God's word, both Old and New Testament, and looking at what is taught there? Are you investing yourself, which means there's, there's time and energy? To deliver you from the evil way, from the man who speaks perverse things. Remember, perverse things are as anything contrary to God's will. From those who leave the paths of righteousness. In other words, their practices are contrary to God's will. To walk in the ways of darkness. Who delight in doing evil and, and rejoice in the perversity of evil. Whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. See, to deliver you from the strange woman, it goes on to talk about sexual immorality in verse 20, in verse 20, so that you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land of the blameless and remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Brother, unfortunately, we don't have time to go through chapter 4. Chapter 4 is an amazing chapter. I would encourage you to read verses 10 through 19. And, and not just read it, but really dig into it and understand what it's saying. It'll, it'll actually blow you away. It comes down to this choice. Are you going to choose the light of Christ Jesus or the darkness of this world? Let me close in the last few moments. When I became a Christian in 1982, I'd lived such a horrible, 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 dark life. And my first year, many of you know, was horrible because I, I, didn't, I didn't have the elementary teachings like I know them now. I, I didn't understand so much. And I quickly fell back into a lot of my old ways. Very destructive. Now here I am dragging Jesus through all that nasty, vile garbage and the guilt was crushing. So I went to a conference, a youth conference. I'm glad I did. The guy had two excellent points. The first was, make a promise to God and keep it. The second one is the first promise you want to make to him is that you'll read his word every day and work to comprehend it so you can apply it. 
So the first was make a promise to God. The second one, the first promise you make is that you read his word every day and work hard to understand it so you can apply it. And he suggested reading Proverbs every day, just like I've shared before so many times. From that point, I've read the Bible every day. Old Testament, New Testament. Proverbs, New Testament as well. And I continue to read. And there's things I read and, and have read them for the last 41 years in the book of Proverbs. And I still get new things out of it. It's not like it grows old. It's like, oh, there's something else there that I didn't see before. It will transform you without the word. You're hopelessly lost in a world of philosophies and changing standards and principles. But the word of God is absolute and cannot be broken. I pray that you, if you're reading right now, you'll read more. If you're reading right now, you'll read to understand everything that you're reading and then how do I apply it? And when you get to that point where, okay, I think I got this handles, take on some more. There's only one way, the Lord's way. The Lord's way is the life of Jesus Christ. My prayer is, is that we would fear him, which means what? To have great awe of who he is, so much so that you are yielded in your spirit and you love and serve him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. True worship. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, I pray that we would grow in our fear of you, but, but really that means that we would grow in a hatred of pride and arrogance, a hatred of the evil way, and uh, as we're going to look at uh, the week following, uh, the perversity of a mouth. This is the destructive nature of the mouth and how evil is that very thing poised to destroy. Help us to recognize, Father, that we really do need to be mindful about our conversation. Help us, dear Lord God in heaven, with these things that we might be pleasing in every respect, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Woo Thank you very much. What did Jesus say to do? Go! There's a pause there. Well, I forgot what to say. <laughs> what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go get her done. <laughs>